Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning, and this message is kind of a bridge between the last sermon series where Adam talked about with you and what that means and God's desire and what he's gone, the lengths he's gone to be with us. And to our next sermon series that's going to kick off next week, talking about all in. Um, so today, we're going we're to be talking about fear. And throughout scripture, it, it tells us to fear not. And so fear, if you haven't caught on to the theme so far, um, we'll just make it really clear for you at this point. Um, fear is one of our primary emotions. It is not something you can avoid. It is a reality, just like sadness, um, disgust, anger, those primary emotions that we have. Fear is one of our primary emotions. And no matter how brave or bold somebody may be or act like they don't have fear, the reality is we all experience fear. Let's just get that out of the way. It doesn't matter. We all experience fear. Now, we may experience fear at varying levels. Our reaction to fear may be different. Um, I mean, God gives us the fight, flight, or freeze reaction, um, and it's, it's the foundation of that so that, you know, we protect ourselves in dangerous situations, whatever that might look like. And fear, this is one of the things, fear itself is neither, neither good nor evil. It's just a reality. It's emotion. It heightens our awareness to the world around us. And I kind of recognize, okay, what's my relationship to the world around us? Some of the basic, you know, fears that you see in lots of different people. You know, we talk about darkness, um, especially as children. You know, if you have kids, how many times have you checked the closet or you've had to leave the door cracked or, you know, you have the nightlight on because of darkness? What is it about darkness? It's that unknown. I don't know what's on the other side of that door. I don't know what's underneath the bed. But the truth is, if all of a sudden we turn the lights out in here, just kidding, we're not going to do that, okay? Because the reality is, adults, we may talk like we're not afraid of the dark, but if you're really honest, how many would you, you know, are really, if it's really dark and I'm not at my own house where I know where everything is, fear takes us. Our heartbeat increases. Our breathing picks up a little bit of pace because we are not aware of what our surroundings are. We're afraid of pain. We want to avoid pain. Um, you, I mean, you go ask any nurse or doctor who has a patient who is afraid of needles, whether it be a child or an adult. You know, if they're really scared, you got one of two things. You're either going to get slapped or kicked, or they're just going to jump right out of the chair and try to get out of there. Fear is a powerful, powerful emotion. And I think so often we don't recognize how much fear is involved in our daily decisions. Trying to avoid pain, trying to avoid embarrassment. Fear is a reality. It's a real thing. And 365 times throughout Scripture, we are told either fear not or do not be afraid. Interesting number, by the way. 365 times. We're told fear not. Do not be afraid. Why? I mean, when the Bible says something repeatedly, we should pay attention. 
it's really important. Fear not. Because fear is a major part of the human experience. This is why courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is moving forward in spite of fear. If you don't have fear, there's something wrong with you when you're going into a dangerous situation from a human perspective. Fear is a reality, and it's something we need to learn to deal with. But we don't start with fear not. What's interesting is in Scripture, Proverbs 9.10 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not a lack of fear. It's understanding and putting fear in its right place. Knowing where to start. Oftentimes, when we hear this passage, or a lot of times people who teach, they will tell you the fear of the Lord. And because we know God is compassionate, and he is loving, and he is good, we will soften this fear and say, you know what, what we really mean is respect. You know, or what we really mean is, you know, a sense of awe or reverence. But when I read the Old Testament, when I read the New Testament, and they use the word fear, and I read those stories, you know what I see? I see fear. I see people who are scared when they come close to the presence of God. And one of the titles, the very titles of God, God has a lot of different names and titles given throughout Scripture. And one of those is called the fear of Isaac. It's found in Genesis 31. It says, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. This is what the people who knew the family of Abraham, and they knew of the God of Abraham. That's what they called him, the fear of Isaac, or could be translated the dread or the terror of Isaac. People knew you don't mess with Abraham's God. Because you will not be happy. You will be afraid if you find yourself on the wrong side of the God of Abraham. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not simply respecting God. Because when we see most people encountering God or the presence of God throughout Scripture, they fell face down on the ground. For a couple of reasons. Either one, they fainted, literally, or they were afraid they were going to die. And at the very least, they did not dare look straight at the presence of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you see the Israelites in, in the story of Israelites and Moses at Mount Sinai, and the presence of God in the cloud descends upon the top of the mountain. And it just flows down the mountain. The Israelites did not even dare come close to the mountain. And God called Moses up and he goes and he's in the presence of God for 40 days. And when Moses comes down, because he's been in the presence of the glory of God, his face is just glowing. I mean, talk about being weird. His face was glowing, reflecting the presence of God. And even at that, the Israelites were like, Moses, man, you got to put something over your face. They were even scared of the reflection. When Elijah and the Israelites and the prophets of Baal 
were at Mount Carmel. And there was the question, who is the true God? Is it Baal or is it Yahweh? And the prophets of Baal, they're hooping and hollering and doing all their ceremonies and, and sacrifices and everything. Nothing happens. And Elijah simply comes and he looks at the people of Israel. He says, judge for yourselves. If Baal is God, worship him. If Yahweh is God, worship him. And he rebuilds the altar. He puts wood on the altar. He puts the sacrifice there upon the wood. And they soak it with water. Just jars and jars and jars of water. A trench fills up. It's just soaked. And Elijah prays. And the power of God, this wasn't just lightning. The power of God, the fire from heaven, comes down and it consumes everything. Sacrifice, wood, stones, everything's just obliterated. And what do the Israelites do? They fall on their knees, they fall on their faces, and they cry out, the Lord, Yahweh, is God. And they were terrified. We see Isaiah and Ezekiel, the prophets, given a vision, taking up into the very throne room of God, and they see the presence of God. These are prophets. These are men of God in the Old Testament, great men of God. And what do they do? They fall on their faces, terrified. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, and God lifts them up. The apostle John in the book of Revelation, when he comes, when he's face to face with glorified Jesus, what does he do? He faints. He falls down before him. If there was anybody who should have been able to go, here's Jesus. Here's my friend. He's one of his best friends here on earth. He's the one who Jesus said, take care of my mother. When he finds himself in the presence of glorified Jesus, understanding this is God the Son, what does John, his best friend, do? He falls on his face. He faints in his presence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Someday, you and I will find ourselves in the very presence of God. This is not if, it is when. Someday, we will find ourselves in the very presence of God. And you know what you will do. You know what I will do. We will fall on our faces. We will fall on our knees. And we will say, truly, you are God. You will not have a choice. Because of the power and the glory and the radiance of our God, you will not have a choice. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Know who our God is. This is not a God that we go to lightly. This is not a God who the people throughout Scripture just flippantly threw a prayer up to. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Our God is a terrible power, and we are right to fear him. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of all things. God cannot be controlled. God cannot be manipulated. He isn't just some kind grandfather in the clouds that wants you to be happy. He is the almighty one. He is holy, and he is good. 
Sometimes I think we have fooled ourselves. We kind of get in too relaxed, and we, we forget. And we get in this almost like mindset of, if I lob up a prayer occasionally, if I come to church occasionally and sing some worship songs, then God will be happy. He'll bless me, and he'll show up at opportune times. He'll help me out. But no matter what you may think, no matter how you might behave, you are not the center of your universe. You are not at the center of your own universe or your own world. God is. You are not the main character of your story. God is. Ecclesiastes tells us this in chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. When we come to the presence of God, do we remember who it is that we are talking with, that we are speaking to? Do we understand? Wisdom, understanding life's purpose, understanding how this world works starts with fearing God. Not just acknowledging him at times, but recognizing who he truly is and honoring him in the way in which he has called us to honor him. We are not in the driver's seat. God is. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear he who can kill the body and, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You and I will experience fear. We, we don't avoid it. The question is, what is it that we should truly fear? What should we be most afraid of? Because the reality is, when we live our lives as if we're the center of our universe and we think mostly of just ourselves or our families, most of the decisions that we make truly revolve around fear. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of what the consequences are. We're afraid of how I'm going to provide for my family. I mean, why do you think we lie and cheat as people? It's because of fear. Why do you think we care what other people think of us and their opinions? Why do we feel compelled to buy things that we do not need and store them in a garage where there is no more room? It really is based upon fear and people's perception. Why do we avoid certain people how many times have you seen somebody's cell phone go off and they look at it and it's not a spam call and they go, nope, not right now. And they hit the cancel button. It centers on fear. Our society, anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. When I fail to put God in the center, when I fail to recognize 
that God is at the center of the universe. He is the center of life. Suddenly, I am faced with choices. When I put myself there, when I am self-centered, all of a sudden, my choices are based upon fear. It's based upon how will I have enough for myself and my family? How will I take care of this? How am I perceived with these other people? And all of, most of our decisions center around some level of fear. But what happens when my universe and your universe collide? When we see a lack of resources, when we see a lack of things that there, there's not enough. What do we do? We fight, we lie, we cheat, we twist, we manipulate, we try to control. And all that is based upon fear of what's going on in my universe. How do I keep things balanced? The beautiful truth is that as big and powerful and holy and fearful, fearful that God truly is. As big as he is, as great as he is, and we, we start there. I have to recognize, I need to recognize, he cares about me, he cares about sin and evil in this world, and he's not okay with it. As big and as great as he is, he has invited us in. But if you do not start with the right fear and the right respect and understanding who God truly is, then sin is not that big of a deal. And what Jesus did was nice, but it's, it weakens the effect. I start with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom, but here's the great thing. I don't end there. Because when I understand the message that Jesus came... To do away with evil. He came for the price of sin and he paved a way. Now we can come into that throne room of grace and we can encounter that presence of God and the power of God, the healing presence of God. That same power that makes us shake, that makes us fall on our face. He is now, because of Jesus, made it possible for us to come into that powerful presence. And I don't have to be afraid. When I come into that powerful place and I go, I know I have no right. I know I have no place. I know I shouldn't be able to come here. But Jesus made a way. When I find myself there, he goes, fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am good. Fear not, for I am always with you. When I begin to experience both the power and the love of God, I start to understand truly the message of fear not. God calls us into communion with him, but he also challenges us to something greater. Because here's the thing, the fear not isn't just to help us feel safe and secure in a nice, comfortable place. Because God's invitation with him, God's invitation to this beautiful place, this challenging place, he calls us to go and do extraordinary things. It's about his kingdom. And his kingdom is not in one solitary place. His kingdom is growing. It is expanding. And he wants everybody to know about it. 
He wants everybody to know about Jesus. Fear not is not for our times of comfort and safety. Fear not isn't meant to comfort us in our times of safety and security, but it's to call us and to do something greater. Let me say that again. Fear not isn't meant to comfort us in our times of safety and security, but it's to call us into something greater. Throughout Scripture, when we see God use the term fear not, it's almost always in a context that people are in danger, he's bringing them out of danger, or he's leading them into danger. It's one or the other. And he says, fear not, for I'm with you. When our family, when Stephanie and I were getting ready to go overseas, a uh, long time ago now, about 20 years ago, uh, and we were heading to Ivory Coast in Africa, and we knew we were going long term. We didn't know when we were coming back. We're like, who knows? We might retire there. Um, I knew that the likelihood at some point of us being attacked or robbed was probably at about 95%. It was probably going to happen at some point. It was a reality that we needed to know. We understood. And, but we still felt God is with us and, and we're going to go. Um, seven years after we had been in Ivory Coast, this was December 24th, 2 a.m., I woke up hearing our front door rattling. And so I went to go check it out. Kids were asleep. I woke up Stephanie. And there were, what I saw, three armed men trying to break into our house. Turns out there were four. One of them had an AK-47. Needless to say, I was pretty scared. Because in that moment, because even though we didn't have a weapon, I was like, I'm not going to shoot anybody. That's not why I'm here. We put extra bars on our doors because of this. But I, at that moment, I knew if these guys want to get in my house, they're going to get in my house. There's really nothing I can do. To say I was scared mostly for my family is an understatement. And I had called a friend because there wasn't 911. And I remember praying, God, I need your help. There's nothing I can do. I know the police aren't going to get here for 30 minutes. I don't know what to do. And I had been conversing with them through the window, and when they figured out that I knew what was going on and what was happening, the guy who had been taking trim off of the door lowered his shoulder and just tried to bang and break in through the door. Boom. And the second time, he went boom. And the words just fell out of my mouth. You don't want to do that. Perfect French. Best French I've ever spoken. Okay. Furthest thing from my mind in that moment. Not another word, not another bang, and they left. 
And I know it's because God made words come out of my mouth that I went, where did that come from? In the midst, when we put ourselves in the place where we have to trust in God, and we put God to the test, guess what? He is there. And he shows up for us. He is good. And he is powerful. It would have been real easy. We would have had a quick and easy out to leave. After that happening, we stayed. And it was a big deal for the church there. The fact that we stayed through that. God is good. When we place ourselves where we don't know what's going to happen. When we follow God to where we go, I'm not in control, this is scary, I don't know what's gonna happen, God is able to say, fear not, for I am with you. Following Jesus is not meant to be something that is just about safety and security and comfort. Following Jesus means he's going to lead you and push you and take you to places that are scary things, conversations, you don't know how this is going to go. Actions, gifts, serving in ways that you feel unqualified. I can't tell you how many times in Africa I thought, I am a farm boy from Indiana. I am in way over my head. It was not because I thought I was great. It's because I thought I had a great God. And as his child... Jesus says this to his children in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. God wants to expand the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. He wants you to be a part of it, but you get to be a part of something that is big and beautiful and amazing. It is meant to challenge us. It is meant to help us be uncomfortable, but not be afraid to be uncomfortable. It is meant to challenge us not to be afraid to have the conversation that is hard. It is meant to challenge us to do things that other people go, that's weird, and not care. Because I don't fear you. I fear my holy God. And he is good. And he is with me. When we follow God, it will lead us into life transformation, but it will also lead to life transformation to the people around us, those we love, those we don't like. God will use us in powerful ways to transform other people. As a church, when we people, little by little, we go out and we trust and we take these new steps of faith, it brings transformation. And it sees this world change. And God, I think sometimes God is just sitting on his throne going, what are you afraid of? Fear not. Go. I get tired of seeing the divisiveness. I get tired that there's still racism that exists. I get tired of seeing people hurting because of cyclical poverty. I get tired of seeing all these things. And I go, the church should be leading the way without fear. Speaking truth in love. Fear not. 
Sin isn't just about doing bad things. It also is avoiding doing good things. Don't be afraid. Paul said it this way, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who do you fear most? What are you most afraid of? That's a real question. What are you afraid of? When it comes to faith in life with Jesus, what is it that he's asking you to step into and that you're afraid of? Is it about your comfort? You're afraid to be uncomfortable? You're afraid to give something up? You're afraid to let go of something? Is it maybe your popularity? You're afraid of what it's going to do with your friendships? If I actually talk about Jesus, if I have that spiritual conversation, is it about control? Or do you not know how things are going to end and so you fail to step into that? It's okay. God knows the end of the story. It's a pretty good ending. Maybe it's that sense of control is you need, there's somebody you need to forgive. And you're afraid what's going to happen if you let go of that. I don't know what your step is. I don't know what your fear is. But I am pretty confident everybody in this room knows. Because God is powerful. He is moving. And my question to you is, what is that step? What is the one step of courage you need to make? What is that thing with that question? You know what the answer is. What is the next step for you? What does it look like to go all in? To not be afraid. Do not let fear hold you back. Whether it's taking the next step serving, taking the next step having a conversation, whatever that might look like. Giving, giving something up, giving something away. Don't let fear make you quit. God has given us an amazing opportunity to do something greater in our community, together, as a church family. Fear not. Don't be afraid to be bold. Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot stand against his church. We have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Really, we have nothing to fear because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But man, he also says, but fear not, I am with you and I go before you. Let's pray. Father God, this morning I, I, thank, I thank you because you are good, you are loving, but you are so big and so powerful and so great. You are the Almighty One. We don't have to be concerned about the God who we worship, whether there is enough. There is always enough. Father, we just need to hand over and, 
and recognize that you're going to lead us and you're going to stretch us, and that's okay. I pray that we would have courage, that even in the midst of fear, we would have the courage to follow your Spirit's leading. We'd have the courage to speak, to love, to get out of our comfort, to not worry about our popularity, to let loose of our control. And remember that you are already at the center of the universe. As a church, make us bold. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.